waited for what felt like forever. Then, we waited longer. But this February, we promise. This is going to be the gnarliest shit ever. The wait is over. If you're gonna be dumb, you gotta be tough. <laughs> When you get knocked down, you gotta get back up. If they trust us to go to the bathroom, they're less intelligent than I thought. In the drawer, but I know enough. If you're gonna be dumb, you gotta be tough. You're still blowing people up. As if life's not hard enough. This guy's one badass dude right here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, I'm like jackass. The Texas rat snake. Venomous? <laughs> Francis hits harder than any heavyweight in MMA. I told Aaron it was a lightweight. That's not a lightweight. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> We're in this together, Pops. What's the worst that can happen? I just need you to like sit with my grandpa. Just make sure he doesn't smoke. Oh, oh, oh. oh my god! There ain't a bunch of NASA scientists right now. Can I get a cold drink? Yeah. Will you make him an actual coffee, Stephanie? Here, I made you another one. It's gotta be over, dude. I think we're all the way finished. We're through. Stick a fork in it. Welcome to an all-new episode of Palace Off the Top Rope. Thank you so much for joining me, ladies and gentlemen, and happy Super Bowl 56 week. A full Super Bowl preview show is coming from the SM Football Marks podcast that will be dropping later in the week, so be on the lookout for that. But today is all about movies and jackasses, which I got to check out this past weekend. You'll get my full review of that. But let's talk about the recap of how Jackass Forever did at the box office. Uh, it's been a little bit of a dry spell, right, since Scream. I haven't really talked movies on here and, you know, the whole announcement of Tom Brady retiring and the NFL playoffs and Super Bowl, you know, all that right now is in, in full gear and dominating everything. So it's actually kind of been good for me on the other end with movies not being so busy right now and stuff getting really spread out. Um, but it's the start of February. Well, at least kind of. We're already in February 8th as I'm recording this. So we have new movies out this past weekend. It was uh, Jackass Forever and Moonfall from director Roland Emmerich. And I'll talk about him in just a little bit. But Jackass Forever was the number one movie in America, opening to $23 million. Now, a lot of people that I've talked to actually had higher expectations for this movie. Probably around like the $40, $50 million range. But they were looking back to Jackass 3D, which released, what, a little over 10 years ago. And it was a whole different time, you know. I know it's only been 10 years, but that's like a lot with the way the business has changed so much with the addition of streaming and, and all that stuff. Like, the, everything has just changed so, so quickly. Um, 
I wasn't expecting that for Jackass Forever. You know, I was expecting, I actually predicted, I didn't get to talk about it on the pod, but I, and I didn't really get to put it on social media, but talking with my coworkers at work, I was like, I can see this in the mid 20s. So I predicted 26. So I was off by 3 million, but still I thought it was that, that was going to be a good enough mark for a movie like this because we don't really have comedies anymore in the theaters as wide releases. Um, you know, if Jackass were made today, like with a whole new cast, like if they were redoing it, I don't think they would get a theatrical release. I think this would be released on, you know, what what is this? Paramount so would be on Paramount Plus, or maybe Netflix would grab the rights. You know, a lot of comedies nowadays get directly put to streaming, and you know, some of them, you know, get a chance sometimes theatrical wise. Like later in the month, we got a movie called The Lost City. But that's going to have Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum and Brad Pitt, who I just saw in a trailer not a couple of weeks ago for this movie. I hadn't seen the trailer. I'm like, okay, I'm totally in for this movie. Maybe a small part, but whatever. Still huge movie stars. But for the most part, like comedies now don't get the, the opportunity to get that platform of, of a theatrical you know, distribution. Uh, I could look to last year, and it was a movie that should have gone on my top ten now that I think about it. Like, I'm pissed at myself for not putting it on there. But that's the whole thing about streaming, right? Is that, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Like, you watch it, you consume it real quick, and then you forget about it, even though you may have liked the property. Like, for example, I haven't talked about Cobra Kai anymore, and I thought it was completely amazing this past season. But that dropped right at the beginning of January, and then I forgot about it. So, I mean, it's crazy. Like, that's just the way... Streaming works now where it's just content, 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 and uh, and then we forget about it. We consume it, and then we move on. Um, but but a movie like uh, that I wanted to talk about that was last year, and it was on Hulu. It was a movie called Vacation Friends with John Cena. You know, a little bit of a smaller cast, not that well-known, but John Cena was the most well-known. But a movie like that, it was so freaking hilarious. It would have worked well in a movie theater with a huge crowd. Um, so, you know, movies like these are rare, like Jackass, like it's got the nostalgia factor for it. And the fact that it's had three successful movies, plus like the longevity of the television show, um, still like you can find clips online and there's this Twitter account, uh, posting stuff recently from all like a bunch of stuff from like the Jackass TV show just reminds you of like how much of a one hit, like once in a generation type show that that is. And it still like works today. Like it doesn't matter like how many years pass by, like pranking your friends and wacky stunts. Like that will never not be funny. Like I, I found myself laughing throughout that entire thing. And people were like, was it funny? Was it funny when I came out of it? Like it's a jackass movie. Of course it's funny. Like that, that stuff will never grow tired. I mean, I have a sick sense of humor. Uh, but <laughs> I, for the most part, I, I, I think that stuff like you really shouldn't be shocked with. It's just like how far they're going to go with it. But. In terms of, like, the laughter, it's always going to be there. I mean, that's just my opinion, but uh, more on that in my review later. But, yes, it was number one at the box office, $23 million. Not huge by today's standards, obviously. And I think even with with or without the whole COVID situation going on or the pandemic in general, I still don't think this movie was going to open huge. So, I, again, mid-20s was my benchmark for it, and that's what it hit. So... And there's still not going to be that much. There's a little bit more than what there was in January. But so it's still got some time to make money before the Batman arrives. So, uh, yeah, I think it'll be, uh, gosh, 
We'll talk about the releases coming up this weekend. It's Super Bowl weekend. And usually Super Bowl weekend is like a huge dead weekend because studios don't like to release anything because by the time Sunday rolls around, like theaters are a dead zone. I can tell you, like you don't want <laughs> – if you want to be by yourself in a movie theater uh, – during a weekend, your best chance to go is like Super Sunday because I, me being in the movie theater business for so long, it's always dead on that day. But then, of course, I haven't worked a lot of Super Sundays in a very long time because my boy Tom Brady <laughs> used to watch a lot of them. So, and being a lot of them, so I was never there. I was always at home. Uh, but yeah, you know, just the history of the Super Bowl, uh, it's always a dead weekend, but there's three studio releases this weekend. So it's, it's going to be very interesting and there's stuff, appealing alternatively to people who are not into football so could be uh, an interesting weekend although i still think it may not be enough to topple jackass possibly i mean not to say that jackass is front loaded but you know people want to laugh so i think it might stick around we're in a time right now where we could use a good laugh in our lives everything's so serious now and everybody gets offended and this and that and it's nice to revisit some old friends and just have a good old laugh while they're getting hurt. Like that's a good recipe for success right there. Um, let's talk about Moonfall, the other movie that I haven't, I didn't, wasn't able to check out. Uh, I've had a lot of stuff going on and I might catch it while I'm on vacation for the week, but <laughs> I got other stuff planned. So maybe not. I, I was hyped for it a little bit, but then like as we got closer and closer to it, I just like kind of fizzled away from it. You know, I was more focused on. Oh man, I really want to see Jackass and then my whole eyes are heading towards Batman now, which is less than a month away. But that movie flopped this weekend. And uh not good news for for those that are looking for like, you know, those original blockbusters to break out. It was like a hundred and forty million dollar budget. Only made ten million. Uh pretty pretty bad. Uh, but Roland Emmerich right now is getting a lot of flack because he made some comments a couple of weeks ago. Just again, we've seen this cycle from so many different directors that aren't into the superhero like genre of films, you know, just making, you know, poking at it, saying like, you know, movies like original blockbusters don't get made anymore and this and that. And it's like, well, you just had your opportunity to make one and didn't make money. Uh, first of all, A, like, there's not really huge movie stars in it. Halle Berry, Patrick Wilson, I mean, come on, guys. Like, you know, if you have Brad Pitt in a movie like that, maybe it's going to do some money. Tom Cruise, uh, you know, Chris Pratt, whatever. Maybe even Chris Evans. Um, but you didn't have a lot of star power. The concept was a little, it's very wacky, you know, very Armageddon type style. You know, it's about the moon attacking Earth and you got to get a ragtag crew of people to, Go save the day. So it had that same kind of like premise behind it, but it just didn't hit with audiences. But I want to defend Roland Emmerich a little bit because, of course, the superhero like geeks and marks that are all about the comic book movies, like just automatically gave him flack for his comments. But he's kind of right. Like, and, and you want, and you can shit on his movies all you want. Like, go ahead, like criticize them all you want. And they made fun of him saying, like, well, you make blockbusters or whatever, but yeah, like, but his movies were at least original concepts. They were trying to poke at him for Independence Day and all, you know, 2012 and all that stuff. But those are like original blockbusters, right? Like, yeah, he finally made a sequel to Independence Day, but I haven't seen it and I don't really count it. But for the most part, he does a lot of original concepts, especially like in the disaster genre. 
So you look at Independence Day, you look at the day after tomorrow, you look at 2012. Even he took a crack at Godzilla, but like it wasn't like he did so many sequels to it or anything. That he did one movie and that was that. So what he's saying is kind of true. Like we really don't get like the original blockbusters anymore. It's all sequels and reboots and and, and I'm afraid for this generation because they're going to grow up thinking that the superhero movies are all that. And I think that's what he means by it. And let me explain because I always post about this on uh, on social media, especially my Facebook. But like every single time, uh, and I'm only going on one channel, but there's plenty of channels that do it. But TNT, all they play on that freaking channel, it looks like all the time, is either Star Wars marathons or Marvel marathons. Now, me as a kid growing up in the 90s, I got to, you know, I got to, you know, discover so many different movies of so many different genres. And I think that's kind of the reason why I kind of fell in love with all these different types of movies and not like one specific type. But I feel, I fear for these kids that are growing up and all they're seeing on TV is the Marvels and the Star Wars. And he's not saying that those movies shouldn't exist or I think none of these directors are saying that. But the fact that they dominate so much that there's, they're not leaving any room for anybody else to succeed. Like, I love the Batman, like, so much. But the fact that that's pretty much the only movie coming out in March and it just, everything else moved away, like, there's nothing else to counter it. Like, I think originally the movie Ambulance, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, from director Michael Bay, like, kind of like a heist meets speed type of movie, an original concept movie, I think it was originally going to come out in March and it moved all the way to April, you know, just to everyone's really avoiding the Batman. A lot of movies moved out of, uh, out of March. But I, I think that's what these directors are really getting at when they poke at these movies is that they're not giving opportunities for other movies to succeed. And yeah, comic book geeks and Marks want to pound their chest about Spider-Man is the reason why people are still going to the movies. Like, no, people were going to the movies still before that. It's just like we're talking in droves. Like, but... Spider-Man just dominated like so much, but not other stuff didn't get a chance to succeed or, or get the chance. Like a lot of movies moved out of the way. And that's the way I think it's going to be when a lot of comic book movies comes out. There's going to be huge gaps before and afterwards because nobody wants to compete because, you know, and, and I get it. It's a, it's a consumer product, right? That's what the people want. But then you can't complain when that's all there is. And then, you know, you come to the movies like weeks after a comic book movies come out and be like, well, what else you got? Like, and, I, and that, that's happened to me at work where they'll come out and they're like, well, what's playing? We're like, well, there's nothing right now except Spider-Man. We're like, well, we already saw it. Well, that's what y'all want. That's what y'all come and drove to see week in and week out. Like, the, the other movies aren't going to have a chance. And I'm not saying all the other movies, like, don't have a chance. Like, there's exceptions to the rules. But for the most part, I think when the directors talk about that stuff, that's what they're hinting at. And again, I fear for these kids, they're going to grow up and all they see on the TV is the Marvel and the Star Wars and the comic book movies. And they're going to be like, there's such thing as comedy movies or, or they're going to think all comedy comes from comic book movies and all drama comes from comic book movies. And, you know, great storytelling comes from comic book movies. Like, no, there's a lot of different stuff out there. And, you know, that's why I appreciate movie channels like, you know, Turner Classic Movies and IFC that play different things, even AMC to, to an extent, I'll still give them credit for playing different kinds of movies. You know, they'll play a comic book movie here and there, but, you know, it's great to turn to those channels and still see, like, you know, the Green Mile playing or 
The Breakfast Club or whatever. Just all these different types of movies. But if you look at the main channels, the T- TNTs, the TBSs, uh, the Sci-Fi USA channels, uh, anything Disney related, it's all comic book and Star Wars. Like, am I supposed to be shocked when TNT runs a promo that says Star Wars Marathon all weekend long? Like, that's all you freaking play. How am I supposed to, like, learn about other movies when that's all you play that's redundant and boring? But whatever, that's just, that's that's me trying to defend Roland Emmerich. He made the comments also, so he has to live with that. I don't think that's the reason that movie bombed, but either way, I wish it would have succeeded just because it would just give studios the, you know, give them, like, that, this idea, like, okay, cool, these movies can still work. But I think also you have to get the right elements together, the right cast, and, you know. Moonfall, as as big of a concept of an idea that it is, and you look at it, it's very CGI-filled also, you know. You can't really say that it's, like, not how other movies are made. Like, that's what, the way comic book movies are the same thing, right? A bunch of CGI. So can't really, like, excuse this when it's kind of the same type of movie, but just not comic book related. But, again, if it had a better cast, I think it would have a shot, but... Eh, it is what it is. Ten million bombed. It's gonna fizzle away quickly. Uh, we got new movies coming out this weekend. The three that are coming out are Death on the Nile, which is a sequel to Murder on the Orient Express from director Kenneth Branagh. It's got like a pretty good cast with Gal Gadot and all these different actors are in it. And, and the first movie did pretty well at the box office. I remember it being number one, and it was kind of a surprise. A um, couple of years have passed since that. Since then. Um, there's been a lot of there's been a couple of backlash on the film, especially because of one of the certain actors that's in the movie, Army Hammer, and he's been in some headlines recently. Um, if you want to read what, what's going on with him, just Google his name, you'll find out. Um, so there's that hanging over it. So will it be enough to topple Jackass? Maybe only because of the Super Bowl crowd. Like this movie, I think kind of caters more to the female audience. Who for those that. You know, I, I think uh, people really underestimate the female audience going to the movie theaters. Uh, they're they're a big reason. Like, I look and I, and I study a lot of people that come into the movies, and not not just on the weekend, but like during the week. Like, where are we getting our business from mostly? Now, not that I have like the right data, and and I'm not saying like, oh yeah, this is the exact reason, but I do see a lot of women during the weekdays uh, coming to check out movies. So they're a huge part of it. Um, so that may be a number one this weekend. The other movie that I would give the opportunity to take number one, and only also because it's Valentine's Day weekend, is the new film Marry Me with Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson, which is like a rom-com slash drama. But that one's also going to be streaming on the same day. You can watch it on Peacock. And for those of you, Peacock is probably the cheapest streaming service you can get. You can get it for five bucks and you watch the movie. Um, that's how I'm still able to get away with watching WWE pay-per-views here and there because like, oh, it's on, whatever, five bucks, like, it's nothing. You know, you used to pay like $70 for pay-per-view, now it's nothing. Um, so that may be a reason why that movie may not be number one. There may be couples staying in for the weekend or even on Valentine's Day, which lands on a Monday. You know, they'll pick that as a date movie, but to watch at home. But I still think a nice dinner and a movie type date i'm an old school guy so i think that that still works for me hopefully it still works for a lot of people when they go check out that movie this weekend um it's a rom-com which is something is also kind of a dying thing 
which is what you usually see on Netflix these days, but it's nice to see that one get a shot at the big screen. It's Jennifer Lopez. It's kind of like she's good at these, so that's why it still gets an opportunity. But, you know, the streaming thing kind of hurts it a little bit, so we'll see how much it racks in this weekend. And then the other movie is Blacklight. Another Liam Neeson, another Taken type movie. <laughs> saw the poster for it this week. I hadn't really looked at it. I was doing some marketing stuff at work and I saw the poster for it. And the tagline is, you're going to need more men. It's like, oh, same thing. Like just plaster Liam Neeson's mug on the poster and that's what it is. And usually his movies do well. Even during the pandemic, he had like a couple come out, maybe one or two and people come out and still see them. So, you know, you got to, Strike while the iron's hot. I'm shocked people haven't gotten sick of it, but you know that's another alternative. But that, that's more action driven. Guys are going to be glued to the NFL this weekend with the Super Bowl, so uh, I don't give that a, a good chance at being number one. So I think it's either going to be Death on the Nile or Marry Me, but probably Death on the Nile just on the fact that that's a theater exclusive. You know, you can't see it anywhere else. Marry Me again. If it didn't have that streaming thing, I'd give it a chance. But it's still J-Lo, so she's the biggest star out of all of them coming out this weekend. So, And it's Valentine's Day weekend, so I'm pulling for that one because I, I want the rom-coms to win. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Either way, uh, numbers-wise, it's not going to be too crazy. So you're not going to get a prediction from me here. You know, it's Super Bowl weekend. It's uh, We'll see. Um, but speaking of box office projections... The first projections came out for the Batman, which opens in less than in less than a month, and uh, they pulled out the uh, the box office projections for it. And this is coming from BoxOfficePro.com. You won't get my prediction until the week before. So right now it's projected at, and again, this is you know, I guess, I guess his website pulls from like. You know, what they're hearing from studios and, you know, their research and all that stuff. Right now it's projected to make between 135 million and 185 million opening weekend. That's three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, I think that's a good projection. It, again, if this had opened in December, like Spider-Man did, it would have the opportunity to, I don't know if it'd make as much as Spider-Man. I think Spider-Man's more family friendly and, and of course, it's got the Marvel brand behind it that's so successful. Um, that, and plus all the buzz about what was going on, right? Like, are the old Spider-Man going to come back or whatever? So it, it had a lot of um, stuff like building up to it. Like it was a powder keg ready to explode, and it ended up becoming one of the biggest box office hits ever. I don't see that for the Batman, only because. And even though this is the first solo Batman movie since 2012's The Dark Knight Rises, you know, yes, there's Batman v Superman and Justice League and Zack Snyder's Justice League and the Lego Batman movie. Like, we've had iterations of Batman on screen, but as far as, like, a solo Batman movie, this is the first one in a decade. That's crazy to think. This is the 10-year anniversary of The Dark Knight Rises. Will I do a pod on that? Who knows? Stay tuned. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, that's why the projection is this low it would be the biggest open if it tops out at 185 million like they project here as early projections it would be the biggest batman opening ever uh the dark knight was 150 and then i think like the dark knight rises did like 160 um so it would be the biggest batman movie ever 
I still think it may do a little higher only because by the time this movie comes out, people will really have a craving for like, we haven't had anything in a while. And let's talk about the rest of February before we get to that. So, so we have this weekend, right? The three movies that I listed. Then the week after that, it's Uncharted, a Tom Holland, Mark Wahlberg, like buddy comedy, Indiana Jones video game adventure movie. Video game movies, like for the most part, are never good. Um, but Tom Holland is coming off Spider-Man, the biggest, one of the biggest movies ever. And it's coming not that far after that movie. So it may have a chance to do some like really good business. And then you have the Channing movie, Channing Tatum movie, Dog, which, I mean, you know, everybody loves dogs, right? So that may do a little something, but not enough to put a dent in the box office. And then there's that Lost City movie, which I mentioned with Sandra Bullock, another Channing Tatum movie. And then Brad Pitt, like, just randomly pops up. Again, the movie's not going to really move the needle, and but it, it could bring in some decent business, depending on where you're at around the nation. You know, there's certain movies that do work well at certain theaters, and others just don't work at all. Um, so there will be a, a clamoring for a huge group of people to come out and see. And, you know, despite Marvel's success and everything around it, I still think, in terms of pop culture... There is no bigger icon than Batman, as far as like comic books are concerned. Like he's a he's a for sure box office attraction. So a solo Batman movie after ten years, and the buzz around it has been really good. The marketing has been tremendous. The trailers, the posters, the tie-ins with uh, like you know Little Caesars and and all this stuff. It's all great stuff. Like Little Caesars right now has a a pizza out. That's in the shape of the Bat logo. So they're they're going all out. I like this. This is what I miss about a good Batman movie. Nobody does marketing like a Batman movie. Even the Dark Knight trilogy, for as like gritty and grounded as it was, they had a lot of tie-ins with like Mountain Dew and all these different things. So it's got all of that going for it. So you gotta factor all of that in also. You know, the toys and everything. Like everything has been great for this movie. Um I even picked up all of my Funko Pops that I wanted out of this movie, and everything looks awesome. So that's stuff to factor in. So this movie could open a little bit higher than expected. Again, you won't get my projection until the maybe either the week before or the week of. I'll do a pod for sure leading up to it. Uh, but that those are the early projections for it. I just wanted to put that out there as we head towards March 4th, which is when this movie opens. Um, with that being said, in terms of uh, demand and how popular is this going to be? So it was announced yesterday online stuff started popping up that there was going to be a special fan event screening which is going to be on march 1st which will be a couple of days before the actual you know public showing where everybody can go see it it'll be a one-time showing in imax and it's going to be on march 1st so i tried to buy tickets for it this morning that thing sold out within seconds like holy crap so that's another thing to factor. Like, are do people care? Like, it's just another. We've had Batman for like a couple of years now, and you know, for the last decade and a half, he's been on the screens. Are people going to care? That's a good indicator, folks. Like that thing sold out almost immediately. Uh, I don't know how it's done around the nation, but here in my city and the one theater we're going to show it at, it sold out completely. And it's not in a small auditorium; it's in our freaking IMAX. It's got a lot of seats in there, and it's sold out almost instantly. So, yes, people are hyped for it. It's going to be big. The question is, how big? 
That's the only thing that's left to ponder is how big is this movie going to be? And lastly, before we take a break here and I talk about Jackass Forever, my review, the Academy Award nominations were announced today. And to my disappointment, there was no nominations for freaking The Last Duel in any category. Maybe something, but I didn't see anything. Not in the ones that I wanted. Like, no Jodie Comer for Best Actress. No Ben Affleck for Best Supporting Actor. No Best Picture nomination. This is one of the, this was one of the best movies of the year. It's available on HBO Max now if you haven't seen it. Like, that already got, put me in a sour mood. But, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Best Picture nominees. And there's been all, you know, the Oscars last year were pretty bad. Like, the ratings were bad. The nominees were bad. But also, it's like we were still, like, in the middle of COVID. So a lot of stuff got either delayed or, you know, a lot of stuff came from streaming. And, you know, it depends on, on what you're what you're subscribed to. Do you, did you even have a chance to see it? So here are the nominees this year. And again, 2021, we, we kind of got back a little bit to normal. But still, it looks like uh, streaming, for the most part, dominated the best picture field. Uh, so here, here are the nominees. So you got Belfast. Which didn't never hit our theater where I'm at, so never heard of that. I mean, I know who's in it, but you know, never saw any marketing for it, so I can't really tell you what it's about. Movie called Coda. Don't know about that. That's also I think streaming. Don't Look Up from director Adam McKay, start Leo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Jonah Hill, Meryl Streep, all these different actors in it. I like the movie, but I didn't think it was like super, super strong. I still think Adam McKay has done other great stuff. I thought Vice was a way better movie. But it's nominated this year, so I'm at least familiar with what that was. I saw it in theaters, but this was more geared towards Netflix. So there's that. Uh, Drive My Car, never heard of it. Dune, which I still haven't seen in a three-hour movie that I just didn't have time to sit sit through in a theater. Uh, maybe when it hits HBO Max again, I'll check it out. Uh, it looked awesome. You know, the, it's Denis Villanueva. He's a good director. Uh Amazing stuff that he does, so I, I don't doubt that this is probably good, but there was just nothing about it that really stuck out for me. I think I saw this movie either in high school, like the original, not the original, but the David Lynch version. Or I think that was a remake? I don't know. There's been so many different versions of this. Maybe it was a book first. I don't know. I don't know the history of Dune, so don't come after me. But again, this one didn't really sell it for me. The cast is great, but Timothy Chalamet, still not sold on him. But uh, he was actually better in Don't Look Up. That was actually, I wasn't annoyed with him in that movie. But he was like a little supporting character, so maybe that's why. Um, King Richard with Will Smith. Didn't get a chance to see that either. Although I heard Will Smith was incredible in it, so I'll probably get a chance to check that out soon. Um, either on HBO Max or maybe they'll bring it back to one of our theaters. Maybe it is playing there already. I don't know. Um, this one I do want to see the next one. Licorice Pizza from paul thomas anderson uh i think that's at one of our theaters right now so i definitely do want to see that one heard heard a lot of great things about that excuse me folks uh so yeah i'm gonna check that one out nightmare alley was actually a surprise to a lot of people uh from director guillermo del toro uh he won for the shape of water so not a shock that he's back but actually this movie uh kind of heard like mixed on it and they released like a black and white version. They brought that one back. So now that it's back in our theaters, maybe I'll get a chance to see it. I do like the cast. Bradley Cooper, uh, Kate Blanchett. I think Rooney Mara's in this also. 
Um, <laughs> probably not. I probably won't see it. The Power of the Dog, another Netflix movie. Um, that one, I think, won the Golden Globe for Best Drama. So it's got some buzz. Will it be the winner or the front runner this year? I don't know. That's the thing is, like, I'm reading these movies, and I don't know any of them that are, would be a front runner. You know, in any other world, like a Leonardo DiCaprio-led movie, like, should be the front runner. But I don't know. This is just, it's weird. It's a weird time. And again, we're still not fully back to normal. So a lot of these movies, I don't know in any other year that they would get the chance. But, you know, again, we're in a, we're just in a new world now with streaming and they're going to have the chance now. Uh, the last one is Steven Spielberg's West Side Story, which, again, I'm hit or miss with musicals. But I heard this one was really good. So I'm not shocked that it's nominated. The Academy loves Steven Spielberg, and I think he's he's also nominated for Best Director. So um, there was a there's a huge snub in here. I think that was a lot of people thought was a lock, including myself. We can talk about that a little bit. And that's uh, Lady Gaga for House of Gucci, which she went like full on method for that, even to the point where I think she was still in character up until like the premiere of the movie. So. A lot of fans are upset about that. I thought she was a lock, but you know, I'm not like mad about it either. I'm mad about Affleck. That's that's a travesty. And they nominated him for a Razzie for that. Like fuck them for that. That was a great performance. And anybody that says or agrees with it didn't see the movie, I guarantee you. But here are the nominees for Best Actress, Jessica Chastain in the eyes of Tammy Faye. Didn't see that, but looked like she dived deep into that role. Uh, it's another movie with Andrew Garfield. I would probably gotta check that one out. Olivia Coleman, who's almost like kind of like a de facto Meryl Streep. She's always nominated uh, in a movie called The Lost Daughter. Hadn't heard about that. Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers. Haven't heard of that movie. Nicole Kidman was one I predicted for being the Ricardos. Like, that's, that's a good one. I think she should win. She was great as Lucille Ball in Aaron Sorkin's movie. If you haven't had the chance, folks, it's on Amazon Prime. That was like my second movie of the year for my top ten and then Kristen Stewart playing Lady Diana in Spencer. That one just hit Hulu. So I'm going to try to catch that one because I do like Kristen Stewart. I like the second half of her career that she's been having post-Twilight. She's she's diving into different things. So uh got to give her that. The same thing for like Robert Pattinson. Like where are you at? Uh, who's the other guy? Jacob from Twilight. Like where when's he going to get started? Maybe he's just not a good actor. <laughs> but Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson are, are doing stuff. So. If if you want to laugh off her nomination, like you think she's a joke, look, she's about she's nominated for best actress, so good for her. Uh, as far as best actor, there's a good list here. Javier Bardem for being the Ricardos again, he was great as Desi Arnaz and being the Ricardos, awesome. Benedict Cumberbatch and the Power of the Dog, big name. Haven't seen it, but Benedict Cumberbatch is usually pretty good in everything. Andrew Garfield and Tick Tick Boom, that one I heard that's a really good performance. That one's on Netflix, so may get to that one. Uh, Will Smith for King Richard. Is this the year Will Smith wins Best Actor? He's been nominated before. And uh, I think looking at the field, uh, and the, the last one is Denzel Washington, The Tragedy of Macbeth. You know, Denzel is always great, but he has Oscars. Uh, it would be great to see Will Smith get it here, but don't be shocked if like Andrew Garfield or Benedict Cumberbatch end up taking it. Javier Bardem has a has an Oscar already too, so that's why I don't put him as a front runner. So Benedict or Andrew are probably the locks, but Will Smith is the story, right? But we'll see. 
Best Supporting Actress is alright. Best Supporting Actor, that's where I think Affleck should have been, but whatever. The best one one I see here on this list is uh, J.K. Simmons, who's also being the Ricardos. The other stuff I haven't really seen, too, again, Belfast, Coda, and The Power of the Dog, like, these movies, I don't know if I'm ever going to get to them. Like, not that I don't care, but... You know, I'm very picky with my stuff now, unless it's like something like Licorice Pizza, which I heard so many great things uh, on film Twitter about. Uh, I'm going to check that one out. But just again, a lot of those same movies for these nominees. And I don't want to go through all of them, but just wanted to talk about like how just different these nominees have been like in the last couple of years with streaming coming to the forefront. And, you know, I, a lot of like, what are these movies that never even heard of them? Like, are, is that going to be like the consensus, like for the next couple of years going forward? And again, out of sight, out of mind, like there's some stuff on Netflix, you know, I, I got it back for Cobra Kai and I was going through, had had Netflix in forever. And I was like, Oh, this exists. Like, what is this? Like, I feel like it's just content, 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 and it's just stored, especially if it's on a streaming platform, which is why I think the theatrical experience is important. You know, it gets that attention. It gets the marketing on TV and and in sporting events and all that. You see the commercials for all that. I think it's very important. Like, did did I ever see anything for Coda? Like, no. Like, I don't know what the hell that is. Like, and I, and I pride myself on being a film guy, but there's some stuff I'll admit that I don't know what it is. This is one of those movies. That one, freaking, what's the other one? The Power of the Dog. Like, I know who's in it, but I don't know what the hell the movie's about. Maybe I gotta be a better film fan. Or maybe I just I'm very picky with what I see now. But damn it, the last duel didn't get nominated. Such a shame. But uh those are the nominees, folks. I mean, either you're excited about it or you're not. Will I watch the Oscars? Probably not. Um because I don't see anything here worth like cheering for. Other than Nicole Kidman or Kristen Stewart winning Best Actress. Will Smith, if that story comes to fruition for him. But other than that, there's not really much. That's the Oscars, folks. Whatever. It is what it is. There's still no host. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. I don't think I'm going to do like a preview show on it or anything. None of it's, none of it sounds appetizing at all. But let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about Jackass Forever and my experience in the movie theater for this. Stick around. This is Palace Off the Top Rope. We'll be right back. We're here to tell you the story of our new movie, Marry Me, in just 60 seconds. Ready? Okay. It starts when two megastars plan to get married on stage while performing their new hit song, Marry Me, to millions around the world. You deserve the biggest wedding in the world. Meanwhile, Charlie Gilbert, a mathematician, single dad. How great is this? Going to the same school together? Gets dragged to the big concert by his best friend, Parker. Come to the concert with me tonight. Just when we're about to tie them out, the whole world finds out. What's everybody looking at? That's Jen. Caught cheating with her assistant. So she does what any sane woman would do. She picks some fan from the crowd. And I marry him instead. Do you, some guy, take Kat to be a lawfully wedded wife? Okay. Then I totally lose it. Who the hell do you think you are, man? Some fan? No, I'm not a fan. Well, I mean, I am now. Did you get a good look at him? He's cute. What? I'm not actually going to stay married to a stranger, am I? I think you're amazing. Surprisingly, the longer we're together, the more we realize we might be perfect for one another. But then, guess who shows up? Got nominated at the Grammys. What? And it looks like we're back together. But are we? Yeah, I know. 
to find out, watch Marry Me coming soon to theaters. Did we make it in 60 seconds? Close enough. Welcome back to the show. And once again, Marry Me, starring Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson in theaters this Friday, but also streaming on Peacock. But go see it at the theaters. This weekend for Valentine's Day, I think it's a great date movie. Rom-coms, let's make that thing again. Let's make it a thing again, guys. Let's let's not just let be a dying thing where we only see them on Netflix and Hulu and wherever. Um, God, J Lo, she's been so good at these movies for so long. Um, actually, they had a marathon of these like not too long ago, and we actually saw them on TV. And man, look, they're they're fine movies, like. Again, I'm not always looking for the greatest movie or the greatest acting or the greatest script. You know, sometimes movies can just be wacky and fun and usually rom-coms with their ridiculous premises like this one. You know, her marrying a stranger in the audience and that stranger happening to be, of course, Owen Wilson. That guy, what, how does he always get those? I want to know who his agent is, how he always lands these leading man who gets the girl you know you think wedding crashers anything like that wow how does it have to beat that guy no offense to him owen wilson's great but I mean, come on i don't know but still looking forward to it. i'm gonna watch um anyways now to my movie of the week jackass forever which i got to see in a full jam-packed auditorium everybody laughing their asses off and having a great time um not that much to to say as far as like a plot there's not really a plot with these movies it's just a bunch of skits strung together but they all flow evenly i love all the jackass movies um i can't say i'm like the biggest diehard where i know exactly who everybody is but i know johnny knoxville i know Wee man i know uh steve-o um the one person absent from this chapter is bam margera but i know he's gone through some stuff personally and I know he has a couple of things against the Jackass crew right now as far as like him not being involved. But this is not as big of a deal of him not being in it as like other movies like where you lose like a, a pivotal character and it doesn't feel the same. Um, Jackass Forever doesn't lose a step. The only thing that's different now is that they're just very older now. Like Johnny Knoxville has gray hair in this. Even though there's some parts in the movie in some of the skits where his hair is colored like if he's still young. But that... That to me was kind of weird, but I don't know if it was just for some of the skits they were doing or bits or whatever. But yeah, that, that's the only thing that's different is that these guys are older now. And of course they can't do this forever, even though the title's forever in the, in the movie. But it was a great, uh, nostalgic, like warm feeling. And the thing that's great about the Jackass movies is that it's not so much about like the, the extreme, the extreme stunts, even though they're like, they're hilarious as hell. To me, what's great about Jackass is the camaraderie and the just the the closeness that these guys have as friends and bros and you know the fact that they can do these kinds of things and not like be petty or you know mad or anything like that. Like yeah, some of this stuff does go overboard. They're like, "Oh, cut it out, cut it out." But it's all in the fun spirit of being it's a celebration of friendship and and just camaraderie and that's i think what's great about it and that's why i think it's it's great to see this in a theater full of everybody that kind of like i think they're really wanting the same thing because everybody's just having a great time um i didn't see anybody like too or hear anybody like too grossed out by anything it was just a lot of like oh my god and just people just laughing 
uncontrollably and uh and there is some stuff in this movie where it's like whoa like i can't believe they did that and but that's just it's it's what you expect in a movie like this there were some people that were coming out like refunding their tickets like i didn't pay to see you know a man's genitalia or whatever it's like have you have you ever seen a fucking jackass movie or skit like they're it's through all of these movies and it's not even about that it's just like the fact of the absurdity and the the silliness of it like the fact that like oh you saw like a penis or whatever like that just offended you in the worst way like calm down like get over yourself um that's what these movies are it's a bunch of friends being silly and doing wacky shit together and having a great time and not taking themselves too seriously in a world where everybody is just too serious these days so i think jackass forever while originally i think was supposed to come out in october i think it's coming out at a good time now where you know, the beginning of the year, we're still in this pandemic and, you know, other stuff going on in the world <laughs> here in South Texas, dealing with like cold fronts and ice storms or whatever, you know, a, a good movie like this, a funny movie that just brings a lot of memories and, and just brings a lot of camaraderie together. So if you got your buddies out there and even if you're not a fan of the jackass or don't even know what it is, a lot of the younger generation don't know the jackass, uh, history. Go check it out. It's it's freaking hilarious. You're telling me somebody like getting electrocuted or, you know, getting caught chained to a chair while a bear is <laughs> on the verge of attacking you. You're telling me that's not funny to you? I mean, come on. Like, have a sense of humor. Lighten up. That's the great thing about this movie is that it tells you to just lighten the hell up and don't take life so seriously and just enjoy your friends and, and life and just have fun. So that's my review of it. I recommend it. Some of the stuff is a little if some of the, there's some stuff that is squeamish, so if you're sensitive to that and not that so much that you're offended by it, but that you're squeamish to it, okay, cool, maybe this isn't the movie for you. But other than that, if you can stomach all that and just sit back and enjoy these guys being idiots, then it's great. And again, I I do really think it's the last one. I mean, some of these stunts that these guys do, especially Johnny Knoxville, like there there's a scene in the movie where I think he did this in the second or the third movie, I forgot where he gets like flipped over by a bull, like just straight up, like the bull, like just horns him and like flips him up, like spins him like three sixty, like twice. He does it in this one. He gets like severely hurt, but he's cause he's older now. <laughs> like how much longer can he do this? Like, yeah, he's been like quote unquote, a professional for like so many years, but he, even at your age, like father time catches up to you. So in the first movie, I think like he survived it like nothing, but in this one, like he gets flipped over by the bull again and like he has, he gets knocked out completely. He has to get stretchered out and then he has fractured ribs and, you know, concussion and all that stuff. So, you know, I just fear for them on that end. Like hopefully this was like a last ride thing, uh, last dance and, just only because they're older and you want to see them like, you know, I'm sure they're going to have lasting effects from all the stuff that they've done throughout the years as they grow older. But I think they should pass it on. And there's a lot of new characters that are introduced in this movie and they can carry on. But, you know, you can do that again as a series. But as a movie, like they wrapped it up pretty perfectly here and they pay tribute to Ryan Dunn, who was a prominent cast member throughout the other movies in the series. And they do nice little tributes to him in that. So there's cool 
fun little cameos here and then uh yeah man it's just again it's it's not really like a story driven movie it's just a bunch of skits put together for an hour and a half and it's great escapism and again it's not overly long too so you can go escape for that long and not be like oh my god when is this thing going to be over it's like you're in and out out of every skit before you know it and then the movie's done it's like cool like that was fun like doesn't have to be the most the epic thing in the world or it's not the worst thing in the world it's just a movie and it's fun it's hilarious and you'll have a great time jackass forever in theaters now was number one at the box office 23 million good enough for the number one spot and we'll see if it holds on this super bowl weekend and let's take one final break when we come back and we'll talk a little bit of wrestling and then we'll wrap things up this is palace off the top rope we'll be right back the crime is murder the murderer is one of you. Were you aware of any grudges? Madame gets what she wants. I don't feel safe here. Bang. You murder! I did this. I will deliver your killer. Death on the Nile. We did PG-13. Welcome back, and Death on the Nile is another movie coming out this weekend which i think is very slightly the front runner to be number one at the box office this weekend we'll see if it can dethrone jackass forever but that one also will be a theater exclusive so it's got a better chance anyways let's talk a little bit of wrestling haven't really so much um there's stuff going on of course we're um first let me talk about wwe so i had quietly retired from wwe like a little bit after survivor series which is in what it was in November, I was excited for Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair, which they had a little bit of a real beef going into their matchup. So that like got me like super excited for that. But other than that, like there's no desire on anything. Like there's everything's just so bland. The shows don't mean nothing. It's the same matches week in and week out. So I quietly retired. I was like, eh, done with this. I don't need it. I'm getting everything I want out of AW, and I'll talk about them in just a bit. Uh, they're delivering every single week for me. But as we headed closer to Royal Rumble season, and specifically like a couple days or maybe a week before, it was announced that Ronda Rousey was in talks to return. And not only return, but she was going to have a match with Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. So that got me like, one of the, it got me Godfather Part 3. Like, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. So, watch the Royal Rumble and, you know, I wasn't going to, but my daughters were excited because the Bella Twins were going to return and a lot of the old, like, female stars from the past were going to come back and she's familiar with them, so she wanted to watch because of that. But we ended up watching the whole event and Ronda Rousey comes out, returns. That was, that was a big pop moment for us. She wins the thing, so it's like, oh, sweet, she's going to fight Becky Lynch. But now it turns out she's going to fight Charlotte Flair and it's like, been there, done that. I saw that match at Survivor Series, but people are like, gonna come at me say like well she already fought becky lynch too at wrestlemania yeah but that was part of a three-way the whole thing what got me excited in the first place was back when becky lynch was really ascending like she was on a collision course with ronda rousey that was originally supposed to be the matchup for survivor series in 2000 i believe what 18 but it never happened because becky lynch got concussed and messed up so we never got it we got it teased on the road to that wrestlemania with 35 in their face-off after Becky Lynch won the Royal Rumble and teased that she was going after, or not teased, but declared that she was going after Ronda Rousey. And But we never got it because Charlotte Flair got in, 
and, and don't get me wrong, like Charlotte Flair is a great athlete, like she's a good superstar, but she just doesn't do it for me. Like I think her character is very bland, and then when she does do her heel stuff, like there's nothing interesting about it. It's all the same thing. I was interested in Becky versus Ronda because that was like Rock Austin type level heat it was getting in terms of like, oh man, this is epic. The stare down and everything was great. So I was hoping we were going to get that for this year's WrestleMania. That was, was what was reported originally by Dave Meltzer. But then I didn't read the follow-up saying like that's not really who he meant. It was supposed to be Charlotte Flair all along. So it's not that they switched plans. Like the whole thing was... Rousey was going to return and then go challenge Charlotte Flair at this year's WrestleMania and then probably next year's WrestleMania, which is going to be in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium, I think. They want to do the Becky-Ronda match there. I'm like, bummer, man. Like Anything can happen on the road from this year's WrestleMania until next. Like Who knows? Maybe Ronda will, you know, burn out again and leave again. Who knows? Like I don't even think she was that... You know, that excited to come back in the first place, uh, if this stuff that I'm reading off of the people that I follow is correct. Um, so who knows? So why not just try to do the big money match now, even though Becky Lynch is, is a heel right now. And I think she would work better as a baby face against a very just deadly Ronda Rousey. And I'm talking like a no nonsense, like the way Brian Danielson has been portrayed on, on, all elite wrestling like do that just no nonsense just whoops your ass and and that's that like that's the best way for ronda rousey to play her character in wwe not trying to be the the good old baby face because we saw how that went sour the first time and i think they're going to try it again this like this go around with charlotte flair like they're going to try to portray her as the baby face and it may go sour quickly again so i mean what are we doing and on top of that the other stuff is just whatever so maybe I might part-time coast to Mania just to see what Becky and Rousey do. Maybe if there's any more interactions between them before Mania or any teases for them possibly doing something in the future. That's about all I'm invested in right now because everything else is just pure shit. I don't care. Even in the Raws that I've been watching again when... It was announced that Rousey was coming back. Like, I watch it, and there's just nothing. It's just background noise to me. So, I'm out of retirement for now. But I'm not, like, back full, like, fully in it, like, invested. My investment, pro wrestling-wise, isn't all elite wrestling. Especially since they got back CM Punk and Brian Danielson, and they're just doing incredible, amazing work. They're the reason that... That company is thriving right now because they're working with the younger talent. They're elevating them. Um, on top of like everything else they're doing, they're just, they're putting on more interesting shows and fresh matchups every week. Couple of rematches here and there, but not to the point of death like WWE does it. Like to the point where matchups just don't seem fresh anymore. Like again, they're going with Rousey versus Charlotte, which we've seen already on pay per view. We haven't seen Becky and Ronda one-on-one. That's the match everybody wants to see. But whatever. AW last week had the first matchup between CM Punk and MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman. In a feud that has been building since, I want to say, mid-November. And they barely delivered on that match right at the start of February. Like, they actually let this thing breathe for a bit. 
till they actually had a match. And was it worth the wait? All that hype, you know, these guys talk a great game. They're they're promoing off each other. They're doing all this incredible mic work, and it's must see. Like if you want to see like the first interaction between them doing mic work, just go, uh, YouTube it. They have like the whole segment there. AEW has it up on their on their page on YouTube. It's like a full almost like half an hour promo between just the two of them going at each other. Like that's what we had been waiting for. Something like that. Like when CM Punk came back i was like oh man i cannot wait till he interacts with someone like mjf because you're only as good as your villain right the hero's only as good as the villain and if you have somebody that matches you up on that level like that's the way rock was to stone cold at the beginning before the rock got super popular and turned into a good guy as well but he was like on an even level as a villain to austin's like baby face champion so I'm like, who's going to match up to CM Punk, the biggest star right now, I think, in all of wrestling? You know, it goes without saying. Like, I think he's just the, he's still the most popular wrestler in all of, of, of pro wrestling. And I'm like, who's going to match him on the mic, toe to toe, and not like give a shit and, and go blow for blow? And that's MJF. And we've gotten all that in the lead up. It's been incredible. It's like, I want to see these guys interact in some form or fashion. That's fine. We can wait on the match. The match will be what it is. But the promos have got to deliver. The character work's got to be there. And they've delivered on everything 100%. So now we finally had the match last week. And did I think it was going to be like an all-star matchup? Like, no. Like, I mean, MJF is a good wrestler. He's really good. But it's like, um, it's not really what I'm invested in him for the most part. Because he's the he's the whole package. Like, I think a wrestler has to have the whole package. you got to wrestle. you got to talk. And you got to have a character. And MJF has all that. Just like Britt Baker. She has all three. Like, is she... Do I, am I so invested in her because of her wrestling? No, it's just a part of her whole core because she has the, the trifecta. She has all of it, the character, the mic work, like she has everything. So the wrestling is just a part of it, but she's a good wrestler too. And same thing for MJF and CM Punk, a little bit older now. His matches have been way different than what everybody else in AEW is doing, like high flying, fast pays, everybody kicking out of every, each, other, each other's moves, not really so much selling. CM Punk has been doing a lot of old school wrestling. Kind of like looking up to guys like Bret Hart. Like he's been doing a lot of homages to him and in the best way possible. He's doing the selling. He's working slower paced matchups, doing more storytelling, working on a body part, selling on a body part if he gets hurt. So I'm like, how's this going to match up with MJF? And they told this just amazing story. The match went for like 40 minutes on television. Like I think it was like at the start of the 8 o'clock hours like MJF came out. I was like, whoa. They're actually – first, I like I didn't think they were going to go through fully with the match. I thought they were going to save it for a pay-per-view. But it's like they've been building it, and AEW is pretty good at paying off and delivering. So I'm like, okay, the match has to happen, right? They've been putting too much too much advertising into it. So, But MJF comes out at the 8 o'clock hour. I'm like, whoa, these guys are going to actually have time. Like this is – freaking awesome it's not just going to be like a 10 15 minute main event and they go at it 40 plus minutes it's slow but not like a bad slow it's just something that build like the match totally ascended throughout and there was great amounts of selling by cm punk selling for mjf mjf reacting to stuff that punk did to him it was just a very old school type of matchup the way i like my wrestling do i enjoy the new stuff the the high flying, the Adam Cole, like the fast pace, out maneuvering each other, counter move, counter move, counter move, 
uh, attempted near fall, attempted near fall, like that style. Like I'm cool with it, but I also like the methodical Bret Hart style type matchups where they're just telling you a story. And even I was scared that the audience wasn't going to be involved in this because they're so used used to and spoiled by all the the fast paced stuff that we're used to these days. But man, this match even got a this is awesome, and it was deserving of it. It wasn't one of those like pandered like chant just to chant it. Like it earned it throughout. Like at the beginning, like the the crowd was into it, but were they going to feel this matchup? And once everything started going back and forth, and once it started to really pick up, it got a this is awesome chant, and I was like, oh, thank thank you, because the wrestling's like a whole package, right? So like people wrestlers can have like a great match. But if the audience doesn't respond to it, like, then it sucks. Like, that's, that's part of the, the ordeal. That's why I think wrestling is one of the hardest, like, parts of, it's one of the hardest things in entertainment. Because if it doesn't, if it doesn't fulfill, like, as a package, then it, the whole thing's a failure. Like, everything has to hit. And everything hit for this match. And MJF actually got the fall, the pinfall over CM Punk. Cheated to do it. But he got the pinfall nonetheless in CM Punk's hometown of Chicago. So that's interesting and awesome of Punk to put over a young talent like that, like MJF, who not only was elevated, but was like legitimized, like as a huge main event player for the future. And that's the beauty of professional wrestling is that you get as popular and as loved as CM Punk is, and he's done so much for the business. But then there has to come a point in time where you have to give back and you have to start elevating the next guys that are going to continue the business going forward. And I think you see that in AEW. You see a lot of the younger talent that gets utilized and gets opportunities to have their spotlight. Whereas in WWE, like we're watching the Royal Rumble and uh, I think my daughter asked me, like, who are you going for in the men's rumble? And I was like, it doesn't matter. There's like a bunch of like nobodies, like because they don't have they don't give anybody the chance to elevate. So it was really like lackluster. And then of course when Brock Lesnar came out, we all knew he was going to win it. Like even my dad, who doesn't watch you regularly, he's like Brock Lesnar's going to win this thing. Like it was a no brainer because everybody else is just a nothing, and that's just a failure on WWE's structure and their creative and all that. But AEW don't have that problem. Like right now they don't have Kenny Omega who's out with injury. But it's kind of like the days of the Attitude Era where it doesn't matter because you can plug in another guy who's ready for that spot and they don't lose a beat and they keep going. Like it happened when Stone Cold Steve Austin went out. It's like, oh, man, who's going to carry the company? Oh, cool. The Rock's right here. Triple H is right here. Mick Foley's right here. Uh, all and all these other guys are ready for that position and other guys got opportunities because of it. So that's what it feels like. So even though AEW doesn't have Kenny Omega, one of the best stars that they have in that company – they have somebody else filling that role right now and or anybody else really because everybody there gets an opportunity has everything worked perfectly no but at least they're getting those opportunities and that's why i love AEWs because there's something happening on that freaking show every single week in every segment as opposed to wwe where it's like they promote the same people over and over they don't give the new newer people uh opportunities and when they do they squash them real quick like, for example, like Big E was WWE champion for however many months and he lost it and now he's back to just being a guy on the show. Like, that's just the way it is. Like, as opposed to like someone in AEW, like 
Darby Allen has lost plenty of times, but they give that guy opportunities to continue to rise up and, and be a player in that roster. So you don't feel like he's just a guy. He's just, you know, they, they've legitimized him. They've legitimized a lot of these guys working their way up. So right now, AEW has all of my trust as far as watching them as a product and me caring and giving a damn about everything that happens on there. Wins and losses, yeah, like they matter, but also like it, it depends on the situation. And in AEW, they're doing everything the right way right now. I think the only thing right now they're really kind of dropping the ball with uh, Hangman Page as a champion, especially with who he's feuding with. But at least they're giving Hangman the opportunity to be the champion, see what he can do. But I'm wait, you know, they're still a young company as well. But I'm waiting for the day that they're going to give. MJF or CM Punk are running this thing because I think that's the next time that they should have like a rematch is whenever it's for that championship and whether it's on CM Punk or whether MJF has the belt and CM Punk has a one final shot at glory and gets to be champion once again but I think that's the next time that they should feud is whenever one of them has that championship belt I don't think they should fight again let MJF hover over it let him brag about it for so long that he beat CM Punk not only once but twice because that match actually ended earlier uh, in their in their bout. But there was some interference uh, and MJF using a piece of tape to choke out CM Punk. Referee caught it, restarted the match. But he actually pinned him or choked him out twice. Choked him out once and then uh, pinned him the second time. So he actually he beat him twice in his hometown. So let MJF brag about all that. For months and months and months and let Punk just rebuild because, you know, he loses. No big deal. It's his first loss in AEW, but doesn't matter. He's established. He's untouchable. He's the crowd just loves him to death. Like he's not his status isn't hurt. Like he's fine for MJF. Like that's a good win for him because now it just elevates him even more and it just makes another star. He's he's already been a star, but it just makes him an even bigger star. So, yeah, that's what's going on right now in AEW. They're going to come here to San Antonio in March for the first time ever. I can't wait to go see that. Get some tickets soon enough. Um, so, yeah, wrestling's good for me right now, but WWE, bleh, I'm retired. I'm out of retirement, but I'm out of retirement, but it's just in the background. I just want to see what they do for Mania. The least excited I've ever been for a WrestleMania in history, and it's in Texas this year. Like, you figured I would try to go up there. I got my best friend that lives up there, and we're both just like whatever on it like we rather plan to go to aw's big event in may which is double or nothing which if everything works out the way it should it, it'll be in vegas and that'd be something to go do like have a fun weekend in vegas and then go check out aw pay-per-view at the uh, caesar's palace i think is where they're gonna have it or the mgm grand um so we, we'd rather plan for that than go to wrestlemania which WrestleMania should be the end all be all. Even though we've gone to a WrestleMania together, um, still, like, that should be the show of all shows to go to. And now it's just like, eh, it's there. Whatever. But that's the state WWE's in. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch and Charlotte and, I don't know, whatever road they take. Um, but that's the planned matchup. Rousey versus Charlotte at Mania. That does nothing for me. I want to see what Becky Lynch is going to do for Mania. Um, maybe Bailey will return. I don't know when she's going to come back. I'd like to see them go at it. That may be about it. Nothing else. Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, same old shit. 
WWE title picture, Bobby Lashley. It's either going to be Bobby Lashley, Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, same guys. I mean, I gave up on Kevin Owens a long time ago. I love him, but they've just killed his character so many times as far as like having a legitimate run that he's just a guy that's there now. Um, it sucks because uh, he's a great talker. He's a great wrestler, but I don't care about him anymore whether he wins the belt or not. I used to. I used to really pull for him, but now it's just whatever. And WWE doesn't have anyone on the roster that's up and coming that I can root for. Or And why would I? Because we've seen what they do to everybody that's on the up and coming. Big E, um, you know, whoever. And they just, they squander all of it. I don't, I don't understand why. And they keep firing people too. Like, it's another thing that just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Like, how can you get invested in anybody because you don't know when they're going to let them go or when they're going to take them off TV or they'll just drop stuff out of nowhere? It's hard to root and get behind that. But some people can overcome it, like a Becky Lynch, even though she's been put in some shit storylines, but she makes, she makes it work. What's that saying? She makes uh, chicken salad out of chicken shit. Um, so that's about all I can get invested in. And, you know, Rousey's a nice attraction, but that could wear off really quickly, um, especially if they're going to go this route with Charlotte for this mania. And if that's the case, if they're going to wait till next next year or next year to do Rousey and Lynch, <laughs> I can go into retirement for a year and then come back in January, next January when they start building that up. But who knows? Because anything can happen. Nothing's set in stone. You can't plan that far ahead because anything can happen. Especially in wrestling. Anybody could get hurt or whatever. You got to strike while the iron's hot. Like, why not pull it this year? Ugh, whatever. Um, anyways, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Um, as I mentioned, the Super Bowl 56 preview show is going to be coming later this week from the SM Football Marks, me and Abraham Trevino. We'll give you all the details and all the storylines leading into that game. And then, of course, we'll make our predictions. Um, also, a lot of crazy NFL news happening, including uh, some stuff with <laughs> freaking deflate gate. Like, that shit is back in the news. And I'll talk about that on the show today. But just a lot of stuff going on. NFL's just, like, become this year-round cycle of stories. There's always something going on. So it's never quiet on that front. And then next week, while I'm on vacation, I will be recording my season three premiere of 90s Films Turns 30 series. Season three is going to kick off with Wayne's World, and I got locked in a special guest for that episode. I'm so excited to record it. Uh, I was actually so excited to revisit the movie. I've seen it over and over throughout many, many years, but now's the time when I can really lock in and, and get my notes ready for the, for the episode. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Look for that next week. Um, and then, of course, we're marching towards the Batman. It's going to be here before you know it, so I, I cannot wait. It's probably my most anticipated of the year. Um, so, yeah, a lot of good stuff coming up. But thank you guys for tuning in. You can catch this podcast on Spotify. Search Palace Off the Top Rope. Hit that follow button. I would greatly appreciate it. I do share this link through all my social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and sometimes TikTok through podbean.com. You can download the app. The Podbean app, you can listen through there. If you're an Apple person, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave me that five-star review. I would greatly appreciate it. Leave me any constructive criticism, whether it be good or bad. I'm here for it all. And, of course, I'm on Amazon Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio. Um, yeah, 
wherever you get your podcast. You can even listen on Facebook. They have a tab now. If you're if you if you're on Facebook Mobile, which I'm sure a lot of people are, it's it, they just my shows show up there just on on your phone. You don't have to click on a link or go through Podbean or Apple or whatever. You can listen straight through Facebook there. Like my podcasts are just available for you to listen. So if you're interested, take a listen. Uh, I appreciate. I'm approaching. 6,000 in total, like, downloads of the show, like, overall. Like, that's incredible. Like, that's awesome, man. I, I, I didn't, I didn't think I would get 10 people to listen to this show, and I've almost had over 6,000 downloads of the show. That's, that's awesome. That, that warms my heart. I appreciate it. I'm going to continue to try to do great stuff on this thing, bring more guests, try to, I got to start poking at a, at celebrities, try to get a celebrity interview and see what I can do for a podcast interview, even if it's just like a five minute thing or whatever. Don't know how that works. I'm gonna have to try my luck. Um, but I gotta, I gotta do things to try to make this, make this grow. And that, that's the whole point, right? You want to get better. Don't be satisfied. You're never a finished product, but just continue to get better and grow. But anyways, guys, thanks for tuning in today and look out for those shows later on the week for Super Bowl and the next week with Wayne's World on 90s films turn 30. Be on the lookout for all that. But until then, take care and God bless you.